to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good day, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Tonight, or this morning, depending on where you are, we have Ben from New Zealand, and over in jolly old England, we have Craig who is also from New Zealand. Yes. Yes, that is true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Seated upon, of course, the same couch. It's a very long couch. Frankly, I'm amazed that more ships don't run into it. Well, yeah, that's bit to- that is a little bit topical at the moment. I see what I did there. Well, of course, we've gotten around that whole issue by having the couch intersect the earth entirely through the core so there was no 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 issue of running into of any well many ships running into it unless they've made a terrible terrible turn at you know the opening into the hollow earth or for some reason plying the seas of magma beneath our feet so that is a reasonably good prompt plying the seas of magma yes okay we can work with that yeah hang on a sec i'll just I'll, i'll make a note um does anybody know how to spell plying because that looks wrong already and I'm sure you'll be shocked, based on the unfocused rambling that you've already heard, that we've had some constructive feedback that we should maybe lay out the rules of this fabulous game show, for which you can get fabulous prizes, often may not apply in any local dimensions. I didn't have a funny bit for that, I was hoping No, you'd... I was just listening to the terrifying noises in the background. Was... Uh, night gaunts again. Mm. They're a real problem in New Zealand this time of year. We absolutely have a policy of taking contributions from our loyal listeners, so time to lay out and make a good habit of this, I hope, the rules of our fabulous, fabulous game show. It's like a mission statement, except we actually do them. Well, we at least pay lips. No, no, let's not get into that. That's going to lead to terrible places. (laughs) Terrible, terrible places. So, lay the rules on us, Ben, because at this point, at episode 157... I'm not going to lie, I was actually genuinely surprised at what some of the rules were. <laughs> Which suggests that I really haven't been paying attention for uh, 156 episodes and counting. So go me. Look, after the succession of doping scandals, I think we need to address some of the problems that we've got. I can give up any time I like. So, The Big Red Couch is a game show podcast. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. About creating tabletop role-playing game concepts and pitching them to the other hosts and guests. It's just the two of us tonight, so it should be pretty simple. I hope it's simple. I certainly am. Each episode, we combine arbitrary props selected by our audience. We mix in pop culture references and put them into real and imagined role-playing games in an attempt to come up with a scenario that the other players would want to take part in. To keep things nice and chaotic, the candidates for the prompts are gathered from list of comments, random incriminating statements from our previous episodes, and especially inscrutable spam messages. And since we've been doing this for a while, we've decided to make it a little bit more uh, challenging. And to add some focus, we've added some topics as well, which accidentally stumbled into our uh, ideas, or, you know, things that we just goddamn hated from that one game one time, and we would rant on about. So we're just trying to make them a little bit more focused. And if you want to play along at home, we'll uh, have the list of topics up on the uh, on, up on the Big Red Cat website for you to select one from. All right. So the prompt, and everyone's been looking forward to this one for some time, is Chunk Weasel, the imaginary in-studio band for the Big Red Couch. We're actually a bunch of amateur musicians playing in a garage somewhere in my in my neighbourhood, which we became wildly audible sometime during one of our recordings. I, I was never a hundred percent sure listening from this end of it whether they were actual musicians or whether they were playing like rock band and just weren't very good at it. I think rock band has like the the audience participation at about a similar level to the instruments. And it makes you keep playing the song, even if you screw it up. What we got oh. was, like, the opening chords of Iron Man or Run for the Hills or something like that over and over again. And that almost would have made sense if it was one 
individual, but it seemed to be at least three people playing different instruments. Or at least that is what I hallucinated at the time. So, there you go. Aside from its, uh, you know, important therapeutic va- uh, value, the keeping um, the hosts in touch and uh, yattering on about one of the, uh, their favourite and just most difficult to organise hobbies, this is a... Uh, yeah, a distraction from the various things going on in the world. And I, I know we are uh, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about, but Craig, how is decimalization treated the United Kingdom now that you've finally come around to uh, the, the rest of the world's way of thinking? Um, very poorly. It's viewed as being this horrible European Union thing, and everybody is really looking forward to going back to the groat and the hogshead. Of course. I mean, not that the European Union exists at this time point in the joke, but I can see where they're coming from. <laughs> I'm sure it's the the EEC at this point. This is a very strange bit. We should probably stop. I mean, if if only because it's just going to have me ranting endlessly about local esque politics. And to be honest, there are other podcasts who, frankly, do that in a better and I dare say vastly more informed way than what some guy who's been locked in a small room for a year ignoring the internet is likely to be able to do. Fair enough. And really all I've got is rude comments about Boris Johnson at this point. And that's really not enough to hang an argument on. I don't know. I mean, some of them are quite rude, but yeah, it's, it's still. Unfortunately, decimalization is going very smoothly in New Zealand because we really didn't have more than 60 or 70 of anything at this point in time. So uh, it's, it's just, you know, something to reach for. Hmm. To reach for the stars, as I believe S Club 7 put it. Or at some point in the future will. They're not called Sclub 7. My goodness, I've been confused this entire time. I didn't know what a Sclub was and I was afraid to ask. I'm desperately trying to work in a, a no scrubs reference, but it's just not quite working. Anyway, so gaming. Yes, yes indeed. So, Craig, have you come up with a mighty pitch for a game called, or at least referencing, Chunk Weasel? I have. I have indeed. Mightiness void in some states... Your mightiness may vary. Indeed, your mightiness may vary. Yeah, off avoid in Utah and uh, anything with a Q in the name. So this was one of these ones where I initially came up with an idea and thought, yeah, this is a great idea. And then thought, I'm pretty sure I've done this. But then I checked with Ben and he was pretty sure I'd done this as well. So I didn't do that. I don't even recall you checking in with me, but to be fair, I might have been asleep or, you know, a figment of your imagination as you roam around your tiny, tiny cramped apartment. And it's on me, I guess. Yeah. It, it could have been one of those astral projection things, I'm not sure. Yeah, true. I, I, like, yeah. I remember the conversation, but I remember a lot of stuff that didn't happen, so I'm not going to take it personally. Hmm. So, what I ended up with is something that's a little bit more melancholic than I intended, but... In, in standard Craig format, there's a couple of different ways you could go with it as a game um, mm-hmm. from the initial setup. Okay. So our initial setup is Chunk Weasel are a garage band or maybe a somebody's mom's basement band. They're perhaps a bit better than the others of their ilk, or maybe just they try a bit harder, they're a bit more professional. But ultimately, they are not destined to change the world of music as we know it. But... They played a few gigs, they did some recording in their crappy homemade studio with blankets and egg cartons stapled to the walls, and they even got to the extent of recording and self-releasing, depending on on the age range here, an, an EP, or I don't actually know what the sort of Spotify slash internet equivalent is probably just... SoundCloud. SoundCloud, well, would be yeah. the... That that is the home of people doing things too extravagantly amateurish or obscure to uh, to to go to any sort of regular venue. There's still awesome. amazing stuff on there, but also there is everyone else. <laughs> I, so I personally, if, if if sorry, just uh, my my personal interjection here would be mixtapes. You know, scraggy, vivid marker adorned cassettes. This is this is a step above this. This is at least. Oh, wow. There was a veneer of professionalism. They actually released a thing. And they self-released this before fading away as bands tend to. You know, people got jobs. People got 
lives, people got got married, whatever, or people just lost interest. So Chunk Weasel existed, and then it faded away. They were local heroes, or just yeah. How much was because I'm thinking of there was a, a documentary about a band called um, was it Axel that they subheadlined with a bunch of giant uh, metal bands in the 80s like Poison and um, Death mm, Leopard. They were the and, one that didn't launch, as yeah, it they, were. They were the one at like this giant Tokyo thing that everyone kind of went, nope, <laughs> and just went back to Canada or somewhere, in, somewhere remote and snowy and just hung out being that, th- those two guys. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, I would suspect that these are the... Yeah, they, they are local... They are locally known in their genre. I can think of a few Auckland bands who, in their time, would have fallen into into that category, who got to the level of they, they put out a CD and then just quietly faded away. Mm-hmm. And this is very much what happened to Chunk Weasel. Years later, and I'm, I'm thinking like decades later, a member of Chunk Weasel is, by chance, and it's interesting that you mentioned Tokyo, because I'm reading from my notes here, is, by chance in Tokyo, or just somewhere in Japan, I just like the idea of it being Japan, on a business trip, and goes yeah, goes to a club, just basically for something to do of an evening, and hears a very familiar tune huh. in the mix, and kind of catching the DJ after their set, because they are not that person who goes and bugs the DJ during their set, because that person is a dick. They catch the DJ after the set, and to compliment them on, on, on the music... You mention this chunk weasel, um, this chunk weasel track, and then ask how on earth the DJ managed to get hold of this this CD EP that was released decades ago, half a world away, to be met with a confused and baffled and possibly multiply translated response of "What are you talking about? Chunk Weasel released that last week." Ah, oh, so there's a a tribute band because this. Japan's got a fascinating musical scene where stuff from from all over the world has been taken in and refined to 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 be a really really sort of loving extensions of various art forms. I mean, they they still do um, sort of the dream pop genre, which kind of disappeared in the rest of the world from you know, the like eighties and nineties. They have their own kind of genre. There's enough folks out there if they've got if there's someone if there is a niche. Somebody can serve it. So the idea of somebody finding there a tribute band or somebody somebody cleaving extremely strongly to the ethos of Chunk Weasel because that was the thing that hit them in the right in the brain at the right time. I love that. That sounds magnificent. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, somebody's been releasing Chunk Weasel tracks, and it's not just the EP. It's some of the home recordings. Oh. It's the stuff that they recorded on some crappy depending on the age of the thing, 8-track or DAT player or something. It's stuff that never got released. And Chunk Weasel are, are becoming, for this sort of local scene, pretty popular. Mm-hmm. But no members of Chunk Weasel have any idea who's doing it or how the hell they got their hands on the recording. It's, so it's a mystery? Interesting. Indeed. And so basically this is, this is where the scenario splits hmm. into the sort of, as, as I can see it, the two lobes of it. And... Both of them have kind of a, a have a melancholic twist to them, but so for the first one, this would be a game about people reconnecting after years apart. To an extent, who is doing this isn't really the point. It's the the sort of it's the reopening and healing of old wounds and the chance to clear the air and every step of, of tracking down Chunk Weasel 2.0 hmm. is is going to be linked to a buried memory or an incident that never got resolved. Okay. Hmm. And that maybe at the end of all of this, there is this fan base that they actually always wanted. Yep. No, I can I can definitely see that. So it's a, a memory lane game. And there's some wildly enthusiastic promoter has... has discovered this 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 niche and now they're they're, they're suddenly blowing up on this uh, for this audience they never knew they had but yeah it's also part of the it's also even if it's like extremely low-key so these, these are these are the 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 chunk heads aren't the biggest demographic in the world they're just very dedicated yeah 
they and so they get to they get to do uh, a reunion tour and resolve their differences and hang out and yeah maybe there is maybe one of them is no longer alive or something like that there's some and you get so you get to assemble this traumatic <laughs> timeline and see how it could be resolved to see how the final glorious concert or tour of uh, chunk weasel carries out hmm. indeed i mean i know there's a there's a game that i cannot remember the name of that is all about the the end of a relationship it's one of the indie games but i can't um is it can't rem- is it was it was a mutual decision that's the bunny Except that's the one yeah one of the people in the relationship is a were-rat as well just to i could be wrong but that's what i recall I don't remember that from anybody talking about it, but to be fair, it was a few years ago that I listened to anybody talking about it was a mutual decision. It could could be wrong. There's there's bound to be others, and maybe yeah. with less lycanthropy. But indeed, ah. <laughs> though, funny you should mention like it. No way. <laughs> so that was that was sort of option one. Option two is option two is actually heavily influenced by a I think William Gibson story called the Gernsback Continuum. Mm-hmm. I'll link this in the show notes, obviously. And this, you could jump, you could jump from one of these to the other. I mean, presumably the first first port of call in any game when this is figured out is that the other members of Chunk Weasel are going to end up coming to to Japan to try to get to the bottom of this. Hmm. I mean, maybe maybe you can get something out of the member of Chunk Weasel who genuinely doesn't give a shit and just doesn't turn up. But this one is is the the rather more melancholic and rather more weird version that, in some odd way. The successful version of Chunk Weasel hmm. are here. Yeah, they're yep. not entirely real, but they're playing gigs. They have a Spotify presence. They're at least recognised as that foreign band who made it big here. I like some of their stuff. Hmm. They are they are the Chunk Weasel who could have been. They're sort of inhabiting this this cyberpunky world that the band members imagined the future might be when they were recording this stuff years ago so very much a we're big they're they're big in japan so are they like virtual like avatars of the band as they were and are now have they have they either walked from the glittering chrome and neon future of japan past or are they like like projections so somebody has somebody made these avatars real I I hadn't actually thought about the making the avatars. I I thought it was this is this is literally a bunch of people who were in a band. Yeah, you know, they were in a band when they were teenagers. It's now twenty or thirty years on, and they're coming face to face with basically the themselves that they imagined they might be, and to a certain extent, the world that they imagined they might be in when they were spotty teenagers in their mom's basement. So this is this is very much more the this is this is the, the ghost of your, your future self or the ghost of your 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 imaginings. How the thing plays out, you've still got the option of the, the, the options of the various this is the opportunity to reopen old wounds, to to deal with stuff that happened, but it's also maybe the opportunity to make the decision of, okay, so do I want to try to become that person? This is, like I said, this is the much weirder one. Indeed, I mean, there's 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 a lot of options of how these phantoms have turned up. I mean, it could be a complete Hasuni Miku thing where somebody has maybe they were they were they they almost broke it big and they were going to be part of a huge video game and they had you know they had digital avatars scanned so that you know at least their physical representation could be made and somebody has meticulously taken this ancient ancient reference material and turned them into a bizarre holographic band so that would of course be less that would be more grappling with their internal things but if it's somebody if it is their 25 year old selves walking uh, walking out of a portal from the past and going you suck old man it's a different sort of vibe i i was thinking of something in between when i when i imagined it i mean the 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 story the gernsback continuum is effectively about somebody being haunted by the ghosts of American space age futurism mm. where everything had rings on it and was um, 
was inexplicably streamlined, you know, the sort of the space deco kind mm. of vibe that existed for a relatively short period of time. And it was... It has you know, persisted, saw the short <laughs> It has persisted. To it be has fair. persisted, and it's quite fun. And it is, yeah, the story has somebody who is, you know, effectively see, seeing the ghosts of that future that never happened with the flying cars and the zeppelin transport and people taking their food pills this kind of thing Hmm. and that's kind of what i had in mind here that these are you know these are them so it's not the 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 20 year old them it's the 50 year old them but it's the 50 year old them who are a moderately successful band in japan who you know who are somewhat recognized and kind of exist they almost kind of exist in a in, in a world that isn't quite there. They're in the, that cyberpunky future that lots of people imagined, but never actually happened. It happened slightly more in Japan than most places. You know, it's that future not, not being evenly distributed thing. But yeah, and then of course you've got the question of like Chunk Weasel. You know, this this band. Yeah, they've they've been big in Japan for ages. But had they been big in Japan for ages before that member of the band? With those those dreams arrived on the scene, it's kind of the it would it would be the slight um, the slightly tongue in cheek magical approach of how does this work? Let's stop asking awkward questions. Yeah. Okay. This one poses some problems, in as much as that that's my job. Yeah. No. No. This this one poses specific issues that if the band members are like real and exist in this world. Do you have the players play them? Does the GM play them? Does the GM play them all at once, or do you just go you go around their various um, skyscraper top pagoda shaped mansions of of terrible orientalist tackiness and talk Ooh. to them individually? Do they? How do you? Because it's the 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 characters talking to the characters. There's there's always an issue with you know playing the GM and the and the player playing the same character, even if they are separated by time and space. Or having more than one NPC having a conversation in front of the party, which is always generally weird. I would, if I was running that version of it, I would tend to do it. It feels like the sort of thing where you're going to want a a system where the players have a lot of narrative control. I mean, that's never a bad thing, usually. I think at least for the starting bit and the investigation bit, it's definitely the GM playing the members of the band and actually getting to the members of the band isn't going to be easy. Hmm. Not necessarily because the band is hiding from them, but because the band aren't entirely real. They're not, they're not a hundred percent there. And so it can be very much the, they also don't have time to talk to groupies. Oh, that too. Especially like old unattractive groupies. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So there's, so to reduce the, the amount of, talking to a mirror kind of stuff. You would presumably, right, maybe it's a, a thing of, okay, I, we've figured out what we need to do with my bassist alter ego. I need to take this thing to them, and it's basically it's a, it's a, it's like a lock, and it's like a key puzzle. You need to get this thing to the place to accomplish the thing. Even if it's like, hey, remember when you got you you bought your first bass, etc., etc., memory, or some, something like that. So yeah. less less long long emotional conversations with your alter ego, which oh god no yeah, yeah. cool cool and yeah over time I would I would want the I would want the control to shift and yeah in a in a um, quite what the outcome quite what the the resolution to that game is is very much going to be up to the up to the players I think it would be interesting if you got a split between the people who. And again, we're we're going very sort of. I mean, magical realism is not the um, not the right word here, but it's very sort of. Oh, it's very yeah, close. It's very close. Yeah, a bit a, a, a bit mythic and a bit symbolic. You know, some people are going to go with the "This was my dream when I was a spotty teenager. I have a life and a family and everything now." Whereas there's going to be other people who will go with the "No, I still kind of want to be that person." Yeah, it's an interesting thing that maybe maybe the. Um... Maybe there's a realignment, and it's like, like I, I'm burnt out. I can't handle this anymore. Do you want to swap with me? Do you want the rock and roll lifestyle? I would like just like to go and fish by a lake, which is apparently 
is, is your thing. So and maybe that's the maybe that's the the resolution is getting the the making this making the supergroups or retire or have it allowing the um the members of the uh, the successful inverted commas group to um, make a, a change in their life. Maybe that's that's the that's the option there. A couple of comments. It's not so much magical realism as dadgical realism, because nice. Nice. this is very dad rock kind of things. But it's, neither of us being even vaguely musical, there is apparently a strong middle-aged thing here. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> ah, the pining for youth. But yeah, it's a good. I think it's a. Uh, that's an interesting thing. I also have to shout out the um, the cover band um, Mistress of Jersey, who have been playing in Belgium for years, possibly. Uh, yes, a Sisters of Mercy cover band who are indistinguishable from Sisters of Mercy. Well, they, they were back when MP3s were a new thing and the bitrate was tiny. It just sounded you know, when I when I, I thought somebody had had just taken Sisters of Mercy and overlaid pub noises when I heard a thing <laughs> come across. Not by not by any streaming service. It was just like a sound file. It might not have even been MP3 at the time. I was like, this seems like a, a, a given the name. This seems like a, a joke to me. But they, unlike the original band, Miss, Mistress of Jersey are still playing gigs today. So hats off to them, living the dream. I mean, I got the idea that um, Sisters of Mercy were still playing. But realistically, it's Andrew Eldritch and a bunch of other people who I think he's hired for the gig. The impression I got was Andrew, Andrew Aldous is being deeply weird and playing gigs around Europe, but not releasing anything. Um, that so I think he's be happy to just uh, be on a stage surrounded by drum machines, being odd. So hmm. does seem accurate. There, there may be some sort of disputes about licensing and record sales that means that he's uh, maybe constrained from doing other sorts of things. The, the last time I read the Wikipedia article on Sisters of Mercy, it did have a very long section on lawsuits and disagreements with former band members. It's not impossible that is huge, hugely dramatic and difficult to work with. I, w- I could, I could see that being a case. <laughs> mm. But anyway, that was that, that that was my pitch for or my my pitches for Chunk Weasel. I'm going to stop you right there. How did you work in a fabulous topic? Well, the fabulous topic that that, that, that I went with was changing the rules. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, at least one of them seems reasonably obvious, because certainly option number two, in order to do this game, I, as a GM, would not be able to resist. If I was going with option number two, this is kind of the ghosts of your own um, your own dreams, because not even your memory, it's your, your your dreams coming out. I would absolutely not foreshadow that so that people can go through, can track down who this chunk weasel um, outfit are and eventually come to the conclusion of, no, that's actually us. That's, this, this is impersonators. That's us. Just for that moment of what the fuck game are we even playing with, playing in, you long-haired idiot. Which is the sort of moment that I as a GM live for. Okay, so, so just to clarify, you would start with a... Not quite a bait and switch, but you'd start with a relatively normal-looking thing, and then the players would acquire mystical powers. Or I don't think they'd acquire mystical powers. I mean, this yeah, the the, the second option doesn't ever involve them. Uh, it, it basically just involves them running into something that is is out of yeah out of the realms of what it was considered possible. It's okay. the well, it's the setup to almost every horror game ever, but. I was yeah was considering that, but this is like the horror of being being old and soft around the middle, to some degree, or at least the the harsh distinction between when you were and when you weren't. Indeed, the the the, the ability to compare, or the the ability and opportunity to compare what you thought you were going to be with what it actually turned into and what it turns out you wanted, because hmm. those are not always the same thing. Interesting. In fact, I would argue they never are. So that's 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 one cut on 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 changing the rules. Basically, the rules yeah, yeah the the rules of the game from the player's point of view have never changed. From the the GM's point of view has never changed. From the player's point of view, it's a what the hell? Because I was thinking about this this earlier. I don't think it's a bait and switch. I think it's very close to a bait and switch. And hmm. I I've personally never come up with good ways of doing a bait and switch sort of game. I've come up with 
the occasional one that the players can live with, but I've never found a good one. Well, yeah, it's always going to be uh, rock and roll Scooby-Doo as it presented, where they're going to find to to find out why this bizarre thing has happened, and suddenly the the thing that strictly speaking might be wait a minute, someone's making money out of our music. Wait a minute, it's it's alternate us. So the where the the mask is is pulled off that reveals like aha, it is our former ambitions with the uh, mystery characters all along. So it's not hmm. so much a oh we, we we thought we were playing in the uh, the wild west and we're actually in fantasy medieval England kind of thing. So it's it, it's a bit more natural. It's not not as 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 yeah. so it's, a, it's something. It's a it's a reveal more than a yeah a hard 180 into something something else yeah i can't i can't think of a good think of a good um sort of media reference for the first one but yeah certainly the yeah the bait and switch is kind of yeah like westworld that's a bait and switch you are not people living in a western town you are robots in a, in a simulation that's a bait and switch yeah i don't unfortunately i can't think of a, the, the the good earlier bit of just sort of the recontextualizing hmm Every M. Night Shyamalan movie, no, because those are definitely, those are, those are usually hard reveals. Yeah. Like, you're a superhero, it's the present day, etc. Yeah, that's more of, that's it more, was that is more of a, more of a twist, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's worth, it's worth considering, though. Just wanna, just, it's worth understanding how people are likely to take it. I don't think this one is, yeah, because you're saying changing the rules, uh, when I, when I think of that, it's, Often that the players feel at all threatened, they feel quite dependent on the rules being stable, and that is why, especially if you've got complex systems with old building characters for for particular tasks, and suddenly, yay, you're in the modern day and there's no magic. What do you do? It's like indeed, oh, bugger. That's a yes. That's that's so that's a, a genre of changing the rules that that I don't think may, many people would appreciate. I mean, it might be a challenge, but also. Yeah. It might be an insurmountable challenge. I mean, I was years ago playing, again, going with the changing the rules thing, years ago playing in a first edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game. It was, going, it was going fairly well. It was quite a fun game. The GM bought second edition and decided to update, here, update the game. And so characters needed to be remade. And basically, I've was playing a character that just character class that simply did not exist in second ed or any of the supplements at that time. So from a changing the rules point of view, it's sort of a, well, I just got updated completely out of existence here. Yeah, normally when the rules change, you, your character still exists. That, that, that's an extreme example, possibly, but yeah. Indeed, not, yeah. That wasn't cool, for sure. And it was, it, it worked out okay, yeah, we basically just sort of had to do the okay. So, what, what, what can we? How do we do this? How do we, how do we make the character kind of still work and be at least a little bit consistent with what it used to be? And it did work out, but it was very much one of those ah, okay, we didn't actually see that one coming situations. Having I mean, that said, I have also been in a Shadowrun game where because one of the players had bought this is showing my age. This was Shadowrun first edition. One of the players had bought Shadowrun 2nd Edition, and over the course of a single combat, basically we changed rules editions. Because every time anything came up, the player in question would advocate for doing things the 2nd Edition way, and so by the time my, my relatively low initiative character got to act, I had to ask somebody what the stats on the weapons were, because we weren't using the system that I built the character with. This is a bad example of changing the rules for anyone who's playing from home. I mean, that is, I mean, it's also a fantastic example of what not to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is... Wow, what a dick move. Oh, yeah. I bought a book, so you guys can all do it my way. I mean, it's like the reverse of, of taking my ball and going home. <laughs> a little bit? Yeah. I like, mean, I think the game did splutter and die fairly shortly afterwards. I'm not but, sure. Um, yeah... I don't think that was entirely the reason, but it was a... Um, Contributing factor. It didn't help. No, I can't lie. Uh, those, those are sort of the extreme versions of, of... I mean, that last one was definitely the extreme version of changing the rules. 
and admittedly can be dealt with by a GM who just said, uh, no, and moved on, but we didn't have one of those, and so we get to where we are today, which is the way he wanted it. Indeed. Could could we wait to the end of the, the round before we start injecting a new rule system? <laughs> yes. Yes, can anybody tell me how magic works in second ed? No, I didn't have it written down, because when we started this combat, we were in first. I mean, I know some game systems take a long time to run a combat, but normally you get to do it with a life cycle of, a, of one of the additions. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being fair, that round that, that round of combat did take quite a long time, but that's because there were constant arguments over which rule systems we were going to be using. <sighs> wow, that is the... Um... I won't say it's one of my precious, most precious gaming memories, but it is one of the ones I look back on and just shake my head slowly at. So, you know, that's something. Yeah, that's not that's, every precious memory has to be a good one, you know. Indeed, that's a Zeno's paradox of its own specific precious type. <laughs> well, that thing with the axe. Um, like if, you, if you if you if you update the head of the axe um, a few editions, and then you update the handle of the axe a few editions, uh, is it still? Are you still um, hitting the GM with the same axe? Where is this going? Anyway, it's the like the ship of Theseus or the you know the the that's gr- the granddad's axe thing. At some point, they uh, during the whole um, continuum, they were still axes and or ships. It doesn't. <laughs> it, this is kind of like the ship of Theseus turning into a playset or something. It is. It is while it is. Yeah, you're changing the context too much. All right, cool. That's an interesting idea and and uh, approach of that topic. I should probably lay out what I've come up with for uh, the fabulous chunk weasel. Um, just a set up ahead of time. I am, I'm torn, but I think I'm going to go with the, the topic of sabotage. Though changing the rules is technically in there. And my idea is, and we've, we've done this before to some degree. The idea of the players trying to, to accomplish something while dealing with a not quite adversary, not quite protagonist, but a, 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 a focus of the story who is not going along 100% with where they should be. And in this particular instance, the famous late 80s, early 90s action star, Vessel van der Chonk, has been lured out of retirement or semi-retirement or doing adverts where he does splits on trucks to star in this Hollywood, not quite mockbuster, but very, it's, it's, a, a term I've very recently come across called a geezer teaser. All right. You take one likely balding, a famous action star from from previous decades, and put them into a film for a, a, a enough that you can put their name on the marquee, but not so much that you have to pay them a lot of money. They're fundamentally you have a you have a sixty year old guy being a special effect, but you spend less on special effects than that that particular one. So. You have a functional action movie, and this gentleman appears in it sporadically. And he has to do this. There is a... He's, he's, he's contracted to it. He has a, has a psychological dependency on hair restoration products. He's, he has some sort of... there's got an enormous of, tax bill. Enormous, enormous tax bill is a classic. <laughs> Which for Willie Nelson, he didn't got an entire tour off that shit. Indeed, indeed. Um, they picked up this whatever horrible contagion that Nick Cage acquired during Kiss of the Vampire. <coughs> Some desperate pressing reason that they, they need to they need to do this this job. But they're not happy about it. And Mr. Mr. Vanderchunk is somewhat adver- adversarial and keeps coming up with little things to make the make it more uh, to make the, 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 the filming more problematic. And the idea is to set up this production company of maybe somebody who who nearly nearly broke out when you know music videos were a thing. I mean, they didn't stop being a thing, but the high value production ones sort of petered out sometimes in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And and they nearly broke out. And this is their they feel this is their last chance to make good. And as much for the folks, the players are the the rest of the production crew trying to figure things out. And they've got various various roles and responsibilities. But one of the things they all know they all need to do is keep Mr. Vanderchunk on task and focused as part of the, the things. So, and 
he's not in it that much. So each of the each of the scenes, you know, and he's 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 a, an old hand at this sort of stuff. Once you get him onto the set and facing the right direction and not and 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 have, have fulfilled whatever bizarre writer requirements that he's come up with, he's probably going to be fine. He knows how this works. It's just that he's he's not going to make it simple. Okay. So yes, I think we've approached this a couple of times. One with our the the speed there was a speed racer esque one. I, was that John's idea? I think. I think so. Certainly one of the well, one of the pictures was definitely uh, speed racer, but speed racer was a clown, <laughs> and there were ninjas, possibly, and way back to Bond behind the scenes. Oh yeah. But this is you're dealing with a cross between Nicolas Cage and Marvin Brando. Possible. Marlon. Hmm? Marlon Brando. Marlon, Marlon. Oh, yeah, good point. I don't know what Marvin Brando is doing. Um, it's a Marlon Brando on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau. There was a fascinating documentary about how badly that production went. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and the and the, the ocean, well, this would be a one-off sort of play. This, this would be one, a, a, one of those games where it is you play out the scene and you establish consequences and you, you, you take risks to get to the next scene to make the situation more complicated so someone else can do the same and have it all as a as a, a an escalating tottering pile of strange uh, strange goings on <laughs> basically a horror yeah it's, it's going to turn into a horrifying tirade of bullshit it's just a question of how and in fact yeah there is an old 2018 cartoon uh, one of the dr and quinch adventures called mind the oranges marlin in which the uh protagonists uh dr quinch which are a couple of psychotic alien teenage delinquents find they talk to a guy at a bar who expires who happens to be a scriptwriter and who is uh extremely famous but but uh, has fallen out of the business so they pretend to be to have have the script on genuine pretenses and go to hollywood to make this movie with a, a great star who is apparently illiterate reading a legible script and just carry this entire thing off by charisma and he's like, so, what, what kind of movie is this? It's like, let's see, we've got an unintelligible leading man, an unreadable script, and we have no idea what we're doing. It's a disaster movie, man. <laughs> a fun little story, which, you know, happens to uh, evolve. A major fictional star of stage and screen being crushed by several hundred tons of oranges. Okay. Good fun. So, yes, it's that sort of story. And maybe the yeah, maybe it, you have... You have various means of of keeping um, Mr. Vanderchunk going, and you 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 expend resources in a desperate attempt to keep things keep things ticking over. But maybe at, and at the end of it, maybe the final scene is indeed the uh, pyrotechnics going astray, or the uh, the select, the set collapsing and it turning into one of those films where people go and see it because it was the reason the uh, that a major star was <laughs> murdered on set. <coughs> See the film that killed Vanderchunk. Yes, yes. Okay, and yeah, so pretty simple. And yes, this the sabotage thing would be the that your the object of your quest has is trying to sabotage your attempts to get them to the other end of the uh, of the quest. Oh, so it's like every escort mission in a video game ever. Bingo. <laughs> right. Okay. Because I hate those so much. <laughs> um, anyway. Hopefully this would be more fun because it's slightly less arbitrary and you have tools other than please follow me, please fo No, don't go over to those mines. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. How is it that you can only move at speeds of three most of the time except when you're running into danger? Then you can move faster than I... Yeah, anyway, sorry. I <laughs> still have horrifying twitchy reactions to siphon filter. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... <sighs> cool. All right, I just... Any notes, apart from this is apparently me being trying to be as, as difficult as possible. No, no, no. You can be way more difficult than this. It's true. Or was that not the sort of notes that you were going? Um, okay, so... You, well, did you have any thoughts as to system? It would probably be a light apocalypse world style thing. But I'm, I'm vaguely a sort of... I haven't come across something that fits this kind of brief, but the idea that you have a system where a character has certain resources and so forth where they can say, all right, I need to accomplish a thing, I do this, and we find out how successfully I did this. 
and it's okay. and it's it's designed to be a limited it, like the same sort of thing as a, as a stress track within like an epox world or blades and dark kind of thing where you basically to to get through the mission you 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 sacrifice certain things and then how those things came out determined the overall success the 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 effect of it's a trade system basically it's like all right i'm going to i'm going to do this and i get these sorts of consequences and the idea that once you once you get to a a climactic point the outcomes of your the outcomes of your actions the the results of the various scenes like in Pilgrims of Flying Temple, determine how everything resolves, in keeping with how you you played out the scenes, of course. Mm. So yes, it's, okay. So it's it's the I'm quite keen on the idea the uh, rather than all right, my character sheet is a stick. I'm going to go out there and it, given that this stick is this big and this long, I can hit things this hard. It is more the idea that right, the character is a selection of resources that I must use and maybe even what the things that you have not yet used is what basically determines the flavor of the outcome and to some reason to some level you can game it but sometimes the 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 random outcomes mean that you're like driven down a certain path and that's the and that's how the whole experience resolves i'm still thinking about how that or searching around to see whether that sort of thing whether that sort of thing exists and it would indeed be fun. Hmm. Now, things things that sort of came to mind were. Now, there were a few things that came to mind. One of them was the whole, you know, if this is the movie that killed that that, that killed off um, killed off Vanderchunk, you could have a certain amount of weekend at Bernie's fun with it towards the end of it. True, true. I, I wouldn't build. I wouldn't. I wouldn't build this in. It's this sounds like something that would definitely could come organically out of it. Oh yeah. If Vanderchunk, you know stepped out of the out of the not fake helicopter or whatever happens yeah it would it, it should be at least yeah the um the death of the yeah, the death of Vanderchunk should not be the end of the game oh no but it's certainly not. going to make things more difficult <laughs> it, I like the I, I if, if people are burning resources I like the idea of them being able to get as it were get them back somehow I mean something that occurs is yeah okay so we need to get this scene done. Can we do it without him noticing? Yes. Can we get the stunt double to either replace him for this scene or possibly for the rest of his career? We're not sure. Um. <laughs> I was thinking things like, can we just stalk him to Starbucks and get the Starbucks scene done there without him knowing? Yes. just This kind of... Just, just surreptitiously film him and, and someone else and just ADR all the lines in or something. Because... <laughs> It yeah. actually happens in films sometimes. Um, you know, it's cool. And I think the idea, I think what I would focus on is rather than, you know, aha, we did something, so I get the points back. Sometimes it gets converted into a slightly less ideal desperation sort of point. You still get you still get some of your stuff refreshed, but if you're driven to using that particular pool, things have gone wrong. And the story will reflect things are going wrong. <laughs> so, mm. so... I, I don't want it to be clean, as I said. I don't want it to be, aha, I have my plus three stick of hitting things with a stick. And it to be perpetually, I hit things with a stick. Something has to wind up sticking to the stick, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, thing, things have to get, yeah, the more you use a resource, the harder, it, the, the more side effects there are on that resource. And yeah. the, 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 the mechanical choice is like, all right, I am sacrificing you know my health or my dignity or my sanity or something to accomplish this and this is how we are and this is how we are narratively portraying that so and i guess to a certain extent you can um yeah depending on how meta you want to go with it you can go with the whole okay we will sacrifice some negative publicity for this production mm-hmm. yep yep in return for getting him to do the thing because a little bit of um negative publicity that's okay, you can deal with that, but you get a lot of it, and you've got problems. Yep, if it's specifically aiming at the production, yeah, definitely, there would be, you're sort of like, aha, there are rumours about the production being in trouble, but is it that just extra PR, or is it actually going to, is it going to get a level where it makes, you know, because it's happened in the past, some entirely watchable movies have been given bad press and nobody has watched them. 
Mm. So yeah. indeed, yeah, that's a good that's a good tweak. And the other thing it puts me in mind of that um, it's really more about this occurred to me while you were describing it is a it is a Cliff Richard and the Shadows movie that I saw when I was a kid. Okay, where there there were a lot of these. Um, they 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 churned the damn things up. But it's basically our our youthful, fresh faced, and um, and vigorous protagonists end up end up helping out, as it were, or being employed in a movie or by, by a movie somewhere. I'm going to assume in somewhere in the Middle East. I, I don't a hundred percent remember the the plot that well. But a movie's being made. They are they they are sort of helping out with various bits. They decide, in the style of the movies of that time, that they're going to make their own movie while this is happening. Hmm. And then, sort of, towards the end of it, things sort of go go horribly wrong. They get fired. And then you have this scene where the sort of the, the, the whole way through has been this tyrannical director of, of the big movie and Cliff Richard's character, who is so more or less the, the star and, and, and director of the little movie, is sort of saying, uh, yeah, how's your movie? Uh, these bits of it are terrible. Maybe those those turned out okay for ours. But yeah, these bits turned out. And sort of the, what if we combine them? We have a weird musical adventure uh, comedy. Yeah. Um, I could absolutely see that being as a potential outcome. It's not the kind of thing I would try and drive towards. Because that's a, that's a kind of resolution. I could see it being oh, yeah. a potential thing. So, and, you know, if you have that in your back of your head going, okay, we could always do this if that's the, the way it turns out. Or the sub, actually, the subplot of there being two movies being made at the same time is pretty cool. Um, I think that that would be really interesting. But, yeah, it, rather than I wouldn't make that a deliberate focus because that's one of those things where you go, aha, and then the adventurers will go up the ziggurat and stop the ritual and it's all good. And that happens in adventure stories. If you've got something more human that's that may it's harder to like draw people yeah. to a specific destination indeed though i can fully Im- <laughs> just to really double down on the sabotage theme uh i am i am imagining a circumstance where and again this this, this couldn't be something you'd build in but if the game could cope with the idea of the players who are basically the production crew mm. and, and wranglers and everything i'm assuming here that's yep. Could be co-stars, it's not impossible, but they'd all be in on it. I can imagine them sort of looking at it, saying, this production is in trouble, we need a backup plan. And so at the same time as they are shooting this movie, they are also shooting the tell-all behind-the-scenes documentary documenting what went horribly wrong with this movie. <laughs> like the co-star doing, oh, he was a perfect gentleman. It was, it, uh, you know, It's such a loss to the industry that he isn't working anymore. And as ambiguously possible. And, and then, okay, take two. He, he's the worst person I've ever worked with. He's totally unreasonable and, you know, he was harassing all, the, all of the people. It's like, okay, we, we can't, we've got coverage, but it's not coverage for for editing purposes. Yeah, we covered Yeah, we covered both ways. You know, sort of somebody's... I mean, depending on how you go with it, yeah, sort of... Yeah, you've got the one, you know, the, the one take with, okay, so let's do a quick pan around the shot, okay? Make you make sure you focus in on those white lines on the table. Cool, right, now let's wipe it down for the second one that the, the nobody saw this coming shot. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, and that's all the, the... And those are all... Th- it's good that these things are coming to you or are coming to mind, because hopefully that's the kind of things that players would get into. Mm. And just seeding those possibilities would be cool, like giving... Maybe characters, maybe giving characters lots of hints about the kind of things that you know that the the um, the assistant director could do, or you know, that lots of well, lots of different sorts of hints. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe your ambition is to you know, maybe you always want to be a stunt person or something. Actually, you've got lots of so you've got lots of things to go with. Yep. Yeah. If you've got a if you've got a system that can cope with that sort of stuff, that yeah, you, know, you don't look at the thing and say, well, I can't really see how to do it. It's like, oh yeah, we can totally do that. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I like it. That's quite fun. Nice. And maybe we need to actually arbitrate the rules of the chasing around the big-headed lunatic on adventure and not going insane. Because, to be fair, there are games that aren't designed to deal with that where they turn up anyway. So maybe... Hmm. Yeah. All right. So we also have one from John on, on the topic of, of Chunk Weasel. So, John writes... A folksy tune plays on the bar's jukebox, something about a pickup truck and a woman that left the singer, the usual stuff. 
A large weasel is at the bar, nursing a beer. He notices you and says in a gruff but oddly alto voice, What you looking at? Can't a weasel enjoy his beer in peace? A stoat on the bar stool next to him says, Jeez, what do you think would happen? Yous is famous. Yeah, Vinny, I'm famous. He turns his bleary eyes and froth-covered snout to you. I'm Dave Weasel, that folks around here call me Junk Weasel! Cuts to the opening of credits of the dramatic 70s TV show or something. Yep, like it. That's that, That's much better. I was, for a split second, my brain just got the, the animated, like, Batman 66. Wee-lee-lee-lee-lee! Sort of chunk we- I think yeah, no, absolutely. It's just just make it a little bit more seventies, just for the uh, for the vibe. I think yeah, yeah, a bit more, bit more seventies and a bit less camp because yeah. So anyway, the game is set in an anthropomorphic world of furry critters. Dave Chunk Weasel Weasel. <laughs> I that does I, they really were phoning it in as far as um, like superhero names for certain eras. Yeah, there's, there's not deny it. Yeah, Dave, Chunk Weasel Weasel is a former superhero with powers akin to Marvel's Juggernaut. Well, had powers akin. He lost them in a battle with the Mangy Five years ago. The PCs are young, up-and-coming supers in dire need of someone who can help them learn the ropes. And what better person than the alcoholic, overweight, former superhero Chunk Weasel? This is basically, insert favourite superhero RPG, meets Zootopia, meets My Hero Academia. The players are various anthropomorphs. Holy crap, that's an actual word. Cool. Um, <clears throat> it's even a word you can say. <laughs> yeah. Useful. The players are various anthropomorphs with various powers. They are all brand spanking new and need someone to manage them. And while Chunk Weasel and his stoat friend, Zipper the Lightning Stoat, aka Vinnie Stoat, may be past their prime, they can certainly help the furry friends become the new hope for furanity. That's not a word. I refuse. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, they could they 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 they, they could become the the glorious hope of Ferdom. Still against it with my entire being. Okay. Fair enough. We can workshop this. By which I mean, I'm sure if I think hard enough, I can come up with something worse. <sighs> Taz uh, commented that you can also play this with or totally play this with D list heroes, a la Mystery Men. Right. Okay. So this is. Masks, obviously. This could be masks. Yeah, I think it's masks, though. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's... The, the, the hesitancy here is that if it's masks, you're doing a quite specific sort of superhero game. Mm, yeah. And it's quite a fun sort of superhero game. But it's... It's, it's, it's very much focused on... The sort of the character problems. It's yeah. It's a specific type of game, mm. and the, the the difference between not I think a regular mass game is that one of the one of the outside influences is wildly larger than the, the likelihood of the rest or the the influence <laughs> the rest would have. So it is, but that's the that's the way I see it. So also there's a way of playing it out. Yeah, I I, I was also thinking masks because yeah. They, that, that's very much the setup for masks, but you wouldn't have to use that because masks does masks comes with some inbuilt assumptions for want of a better mm, a no, better phrase. Absolutely, it, ha- it has it is aiming at a particular type of story. So, yep, that said, it would be funny. Hmm. Yeah, if you took this with a slightly more, um, I mean, it'd be it'd be hilarious to use something like tune, but hmm. that's probably too silly. Yeah, something I think. Yes, me thinking out loud. I think if I was if I was running this game, and certainly if I was playing in this game, I I would want to lean a little bit harder on the comedy button than you might for a um, for a yeah you might for other supers games. Just because, come on, it's kind of funny, and it would be it would be fun to be able to do scenes and setups of you know the civic the civic minded five as um, as assisted by Chunk Weasel and Zipper the Lightning Stoat, basically just screwing up being superheroes for a bit. Like, things should go wrong. Yes. Or at least, yeah, non-optimally until they they, um, resolve their various differences and personal insecurities and they become to their... And maybe that would be the the bit where, you know, Chunk decides, yes, you guys have done it. 
I am no longer needed and walking and walks off into the uh, into the sunset or the bar next to the sunset which has like cheaper beer and a bit the of the sunset could be the name of the bar that's fair so yeah and that could be that could be like the ultimate thing is like yay you you can work together and you're competent that's the that's yeah. the goal mm. yeah you probably won't die uh, it depends what, what which type of game you you transfer into but yes the uh, <laughs> if you die your death might have meaning maybe <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, I've never actually watched My Hero Academia, so there's an entire part of this that I may be just missing completely. Um, As I understand it, it's like superhero high school, or is this sort of yes but missing the point? No, that's pretty much it's pretty much it. It's it's a lot of do your best and uh, make friends and overcome overcome your, the obstacles in your way, kind of thing. And there's lots of background and all of the the characters i mean literally all the characters have their own little personal to deal with even even some of the villains you know have a have a specific motivation to what they're doing and it's just a very colorful and specifically anime view of superhero conflicts which yeah it fits it pretty well and you know you've got horrific power creep and um mentors and uh dark his dark pasts and and people struggling with you know their own feelings of inadequacy and being rallied by their friends and colleagues. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. Ah, uh, anime. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You gumbate. Do your best. Stuff going on all the time, and and yeah, there's a there's a fairly uh, sharp. I mean, literally down to one of the 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 like power sets of one of the one of the characters is literally. It, literally, the definition of the power is yours is a lineage, and all of your power comes from that the fact that you are helping people do be better and do better things another one is like you are selfishly concentrating all of the power in yourself kind of thing so yeah so huh there's a whole there's a whole ethos going on in there okay yeah but it's more about the sort of the usual anime swerves between the happy-go-lucky slice of life and now your friends are dying kind of stuff it's it has its it has a particular sort of tempo going on there as well gotcha hmm. yeah Cool. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. I would, I do like Zipper the Lightning Stoat. Yeah, I don't think you could make an entirely serious game just on that basis, but probably not. It could certainly be fun. Yeah, and by probably not, I mean not a chance in hell. There's no, no way. It just wouldn't happen. I couldn't do it. You couldn't make me, he says. Ah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> couldn't do it. I try and fail miserably just from the outset. Yeah, totally going to let you down on that one. Cool. All right. So. Um, and so that takes us, mercifully, to the, the end of our episode. Well, not quite. We have to choose who is the winner of the fabulous prizes that we now offer as some sort of COD game show. COD game show? Um, as in not real or kind of naff. Okay, gotcha. Right, I just wasn't afraid of no, I, I know Igla's obsessed with COD, and then we'll start wars with Iceland over it, but um, we need to... Proper British COD. Indeed. In Brit- the, happy the, the COD. Grateful, the grateful... Yeah, happy fish that are happy to be British again. Indeed, indeed. And this was actually stated. Yes, yes. In Parliament. These people are paid more than me, and I don't know why. <laughs> no one knows why, except that that's how the system works. So, the fabulous prize that we are that they're on the uh, on the conveyor belt and or pedestal today is a fabulous magical sword. Plus one, plus three against vampire accountants. <coughs> it's Got to come, nice. come in handy at some point, I guess. Yeah, well, yes. What was that comment about Vampire the Masquerade? The, the the Ventru demonstrating the awesome power of an immortal being who understands compound interest? Yes, well. <laughs> I'm sure that will be... Uh, it'll come in handy eventually. So, I think my favourite... The favourite proposed scenario was Craig's 1A. The... Maudlin middle-aged mystery tour for the the dishevelled uh, former rock band around a new audience and coming together and you know resolving the differences so they could do one last epic tour possibly around a bunch of sort of tiny bars and you know Osaka that would be awesome fair enough and in no way shape or form a commentary on anything happening in anybody's personal life, we all agree. I've got my serious face on now. Indeed, we are all in complete agreement. <laughs> Say it. 
Nobody could possibly have survived that crash. Okay. What what is your what's your uh, what's what what's your favorite? It's gonna have to be the fabulous chunk weasel here. Oh, um, okay. It's it's gonna have to be John's one. I was it was a tough call between. I'd I'd feel bad voting for my own one anyway. And and this is for for basically because of the the under yeah the 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 underlying comedy of the thing. Shock horror. Craig being in favor of a comedy game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was a genuine tough call, but the idea of actual furry superheroes did win out slightly. Fair enough. Though I do really, really like the 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 chunk uh, the 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 Vander chunk idea, but furry superheroes, mm. somebody striding off into the sunset, which turns out to be just like some dodgy flat roofed strip club. Yeah, it does have, have a, 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 a like a neon sign, like a setting sun. It's like, oh, look at him walking yeah. off into the sunset. What a disgusting! Yeah, it's not even called the sunset. Oh, it, it, it'd be cool if it was called. It would be literally if it was called the sunset. But the, the immediate, the next line is, "That's it. What a disgusting dive!" <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah, definitely cool. Okay, yes, so the sunset. If you drop your drink, don't look down. <laughs> if you find a patch on the floor that isn't sticky, move. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I guess I guess as nominal uh, unbiased party, I uh, will have to give you um, custody of the magical sword plus one plus three of slaying vampire accountants. That will come in super handy. Alternate so alternate weeks and every other other weekend um, for whoever is currently battling vampires. I guess. Mm. Tim, I just think about vampire accountants. Just <laughs> it works surprisingly well. Is is the worry? Oh yes. <laughs> Like anything, for, certainly from about the medieval period onwards, works works pretty well. Actually, prior to that as well. Hmm. Like as soon as you got taxation, a vampire accountant starts to make sense. It's true. Hi. So, with with the fabulous prizes out of the way, we're we're left with announcing the uh, winner of, if we can call it that, the winner of the poll for the the next prompt for episode one fifty eight. The prompt for the next episode is. My dear, we're out of Stilton. Suggested by Alex. Congratulations, Alex. You are responsible for a, one of our next horrible crimes. Yep. Which is as it should be. We should share, share, split, spread the blame as much as as far as humanly possible. Indeed. All the way through the audience. We are all culpable in some way. All right. Indeed. And for the following episode, 159, we have Hanging On for Grim Life, VIP Zealot. Also Hanging On for Grim Life. Laser-plated hero. Less sort of hanging and more slithering. Slithering Albion. And a brand new contender. Apartments of Catan. Hurrah. We're not sure who uh, suggested that. I'm sure that carefully combing through the uh, back catalogue will tell us. And we can't be bothered doing that. I feel like it was maybe John. Like, it feels like it was probably John John or Taz. Am I guesses? But I worry that we didn't write it down. Ah, I don't think there's going to be any consequences, he says, as the consequences materialise behind him. Excellent. With one of those big rubber clown mallets. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so. With the consequences written on. Awesome. It did. Nice. I've sealed my own fate. The, the, the consequences, who I think were a soul act in the 70s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're big in Japan now. Anyway, call back. So, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And we hope you'll tune in next time for My Dear, We're Out of Stilton. So I should put that on the shopping list. Excellent. All right. Take care, everybody. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!